Uh, I don't know if you know, I am a church junkie. I absolutely love the church, uh, so we're really uh, glad to be back. If you're in the youth group, uh, you're headed out of here. Before the youth group goes, go. I wanted to mention, uh, Pastor Jimmy did a fantastic job. I heard it on, online last, last week. It was incredible. Uh, thank you, Pastor James, for uh, preaching last week and sharing God's Word and introducing us to this First uh, John. So if you're in the youth group, you're going to get to go enjoy him upstairs right now. We'll see you all later. Um, as they're stepping out, I just want to celebrate. We weren't here last week. Uh, we were in China. Uh, China was pretty uh, Chinese. It was awesome. Uh, had a really good time. Uh, everything, if no one gets sick and no one gets lost and you had your passports all the time, it was a fantastic trip, right? So uh, we, there was nothing that was negative about it. There were a whole bunch of amazing positives that we'd love to share with you uh, personally. Um, I would like to celebrate... Uh, I didn't get a chance to say how impressed I was with everyone on Easter. Easter was such a fantastic service. Uh, I was just really stoked by what God was doing and, and all the different people that were here. Uh, I'd like to celebrate with you. that On Easter service, that was the, the second most adults we've ever had at this church. Uh, as I look back all the way since the beginning of Jericho Road, there was the third lar- largest service in terms of numbers in the history of Jericho Road on Easter service. And there were people who did not know the Lord who uh, were able to hear about him that day. And so just what a blessing. So I'm glad, I'm glad that we could be a part of that. So God's doing some really exciting stuff. I love Pastor Jimmy's challenge last week. He challenged us all as we begin the uh, teaching through First John for the next couple of months. It's going to take us about two and a half months. That, that you would read the book of First John each week. Like, read the whole thing in one week, and the next week, read First John again, and First John again, and First John again. And you're going to read it 11 times. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm going to read the same Bible, book of the Bible 11 times. The nice part about that is if you don't, like sometimes, look, I love God, I love the Bible, but I don't always love reading the Bible, okay? Sometimes I don't get that feeling of like, can't wait. Sometimes uh, I don't, but but the nice part about it is as you've read it the eighth time, it'll read really fast. So you'll be able to read that thing in 10 minutes. It'll be, boom, done. And I'd, I'd like to invite you to spend 11 weeks just sitting in this book. Don't, don't go to anything else. If you're on a, a read through the Bible in a year program, go ahead and continue with that. But if you're not on one of those programs where you're, you're a set amount of verses each, each uh, day, then, then I want to invite you to just be in First John for this long time. I know it's going to seem like a lot, but, but I think it's really valuable to just kind of stay in a place for a minute to just really soak up what God has to say through the book of 1 John in the next 10 weeks. And I would say what a blessing last week's sermon was. Pastor Jimmy did a fantastic job introducing it. Uh, poor him. I called him up uh, right when I got back and I said, let's talk about the sermon. You know, you had 16 minutes on intro and 22 minutes on the bulk of your sermon. And, and he was like, oh no, <laughs> like, not that I'm counting it or anything, but uh, uh, he, he just did such a great job of highlighting uh, the purpose of the book, was about fellowship. Uh, he, he did a great job of, of teaching about what a letter looks like and, and why it's important to read a whole letter through. Uh, I loved his story about, you know, he, he, he didn't read through his full letter of acceptance. Uh, that was just fantastic and such an 18-year-old thing to do, right? Like, I was like, uh-huh, exactly. So uh, he finished last week by highlighting that uh, this letter is all about fellowship, including fellowship with God and fellowship with people. And so we're going to hear that sort of theme repeated week after week. Now, let's assume uh, and let's even hope that in this sermon series, there's going to be some things that sound really familiar. Because when you read through, let's say you wrote a love letter to your girl, right? What are you going to get like 10 times in there? I love you. I love you a lot. 
I love you like a lot, a lot, right? You're going to sort of hear the same thing over and over because it's, it, it should be. It's a cohesive letter. And so I would not only anticipate that some of the sermons are going to sound familiar, but I would actually hope for it. I hope that God revisits ideas over and over. I hope that as we sit in this for 10 weeks that, that we really are able to say, wow, what is God saying to me? Especially when God tends to say something one, two, three, 25 times to you then he's probably trying to get your attention. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. You'll see a billboard. It'll remind you of something of God saying, and then someone will give you a, a, a text about it, and then you'll read it in your devotion, and you're like, okay, God, what are you trying to say? Because it's the same thing coming from multiple directions. And so I want to stay not only open to, but excited about the idea that sometimes this may sound like, didn't I hear that a few weeks ago? Yes, hopefully you did hear it a few weeks ago, but then let's again hear it fresh. What does God want to say? Let's not get overly like, oh, I heard this one. I'm checked out. I don't want to even deal with it because the themes are going to come back up over and over within this book of First John. It's not important for uh, myself or even Pastor Jimmy to be clever or unique. We want to be faithful to the Word of God, especially as we're going verse by verse through First John. Okay, uh, so th- that, that's what we're going to do. Sometimes like, uh, because we love people, we share things like more than one time. Uh, I don't know about you other parents, but my kids, I have to tell them things more than once. I, I think it's unique to my family maybe, but I've had to tell my, ki- my, my teenage sons more than one time to do X, Y, or Z. And so in love, we just repeat it sometimes. And, and uh, that, that's how we all work, right? We, we rarely get it the first time. Uh, you can, at wives, uh, how's your husband when you ask him one time to do something? He always does it right away, right? You never have to mention it again, probably. Is that everyone else's experience too? Good, that's amazing. So, <laughs> right, right? So you may have to mention it 10 or 15 times. And so uh, that, that's the same sort of deal that we're getting in the book here. So today we're going to dive into the first of three major sub-themes sub of the book. So the, the whole book, the theme is fellowship uh, with God and with other people. And then it divides up into three sub-themes. It divides up into God is light, so fellowship takes place in the light. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to begin that, that because God is light, fellowship takes place in the light. The other two themes that we're going to see is God is righteous and God is love. So God is righteous, fellowship leads to righteousness, and God is love. So fellowship leads to loving God and loving other people. And so those are the three sub-themes. As you, as you read through First John, you're going to see those, uh, and they'll be highlighted because it'll say, God is light. And you're like, oh, I'm switching to that sub-theme. And then when you get to, he is righteous, and then God is love, then you'll realize you're switching within the sub-themes of the, of the text. Okay, so we're going to jump in. Uh, Pastor Jimmy did one through four. We're looking at First John chapter 1, verse 5. And uh, I, I'll be using the ESV today. Um, the reason we switch versions sometimes is because the, the Bible wasn't actually written in English. It was written in Greek, the New Testament that we're reading. And so anytime we use a translation, it's taking an original language and putting it into the receptor language. Sometimes the ESV uh, works better. Sometimes the NIV does. Sometimes the Living Bible. There's, there's all sorts of ways. We're not wed to a single translation um, because we think that all of the translations come with their pluses and minuses. And so uh, we're not wed to a single one. But today's... Uh, work will be through the ESV as we're looking at it. In case you pulled up your Bible app and you're like, mine doesn't say that. <laughs> That's why it's a, just a different version. So I'm in First John chapter 1 and 5. This is the message that we've heard from him and we're proclaiming to you. This is John writing. That God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. So here we see that, that John writes, look, here's the message that we heard. 
I'm not making it up, John says. It's not my opinion about God. It's not my thoughts on God. This is what God told me, Jesus is being God. John walked with Jesus, right? Pastor Jimmy did a great job highlighting that. John was with Jesus. He says, I'm not telling you my own ideas. I'm telling you what Jesus told me. I'm telling you not what God revealed about himself. God says this about himself. This is God's message about himself. God is light. What does that mean? What does it mean that God is light? That God is trying to indicate something about either his character or his interaction with humanity whenever he uses a symbol like saying that he is light. Because God's not actually like light particles, right? We're not, we're not going to go overly literal with this to say that God, God moves in like waves just like light waves do, and then he's only particles, and that's how he exists in the universe as like this like light, right? Like my, 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 my DSL cable or whatever that light one goes, whatever, Fios or whatever that is. God... So what is he saying when he says that he's light? What's the point of saying that? What is, he trying to, what is he trying to convey to human beings about his character or his interaction? Because we've got to keep in mind that God, whenever he speaks to humans, he has, has to use human language and human understanding. God can't use God language and God understanding because it would be like you uh, teaching calculus to your pet fish. It's not that the fish doesn't want to know. It just, it can't know, right? It doesn't matter. You, you can't whip out your calculus book and teach it. It's irrelevant. The fish brain can't handle it, right? So God can't speak God language. Why? Because your brain can't handle it. You've got the fish brain in that analogy. God, God can't reveal to you in God language or God concepts because it would like literally probably your brain would just melt. You'd be like, oh, and die. We don't know what would happen, but it wouldn't convey right because God is so much further, smarter, like wiser. It's just too big to handle. And so when God communicates with people, he has to use human ideas and human language, and that's always limited. And so we always want to look at that. So uh, what is God trying to convey? We've got to begin our understanding of God by this simple truth that God is light. What does it mean when it says that? This is symbolic language that points to the idea of perfection. It's symbolic language that points to the idea of moral purity, of God being in glory, of truthfulness, of all things that are good and righteous. And so light is this sort of, the, the, the symbol brings about this like purity of something. So purity of knowledge, purity of morality. This purity, like our own sun, as we look at it, this great uh, uh, ball of fire in our sky, has great tracks of blackness in our sun. It's not perfectly full of light. But in God, there are no dark spots like there are on our sun. In God, it is perfectly pure and light. He is perfectly righteous, perfectly true. So any approach to relationship with God that either assumes or even implies that God could be wrong or might be wrong, and perhaps God needs to be forgiven by us, we have automatically have to reject that. That's the root of a blasphemous thought. It's contradictory to God's revelation about himself. God is not wrong. You say, well, I would never say God's wrong. Really? Because I think many people find themselves blaming God for tragedy. God, why did you give my dad cancer? God, why did you 
allow my child to die? God, why did you allow my business to be bankrupt? I was faithfully giving to you. God, why did you allow this sickness in my life? And so we want to be really careful that we don't assume something negative about God because God is light. He is purely right and good and righteous. So we can't allow ourselves to blame God or cause fault to God. Because God is light, there's no darkness found in him, no cause for accusation. And that's what this verse indicates. So this is the place where God is. He's perfect. He's righteous. He's truthful. And there is not a dot of darkness in him. From there, it says, if we say that we have fellowship with him, this God of light, while we're at the same time walking in personal darkness, then we're just lying. And we're not practicing the truth. The issue here, though, is fellowship. I want to be careful to highlight that. If we say that we have fellowship with God. Now, that's not to say that the, the Christian who temporarily walks in darkness, that person is still saved. But that person is not in fellowship with God. There's a difference. And we're not... And, and I want to I highlight that this verse is not talking about salvation. It's not saying if you say you have salvation and yet have a moment of darkness, then you're a liar. It's talking about fellowship with God. Now, just because it isn't about salvation doesn't make it really important. So I don't want you to sit there and say something like, phew, well, I'm already born again. I'm saved. If it's not about salvation, it must not be that important. I'm going to check out right now. Because in real life, it doesn't work that way either. What if your kid said that to you? Phew, I've been born so I could be disconnected, disrespectful, and disobedient to my parents, right? Because I'm secure in my position. Well, that's not how it works. So the fellowship part is really important. It's as important as the salvation part. Just because this verse isn't about salvation doesn't mean that it's not important. It's actually incredibly important. When John speaks of walking in darkness here, he's indicating a pattern of living, someone who has rejected God and they decided not to walk with him. And if you say that, like, oh, yeah, I know God, but I've, uh, my lifestyle doesn't demonstrate that, then you're not going to be in proper fellowship with God. Now, it isn't a comment on whether you're saved or not. That's a totally separate issue that, that you can talk about, we can have a conversation about, but that's not what this passage is dealing with. This passage is dealing with, if you want to say that I'm with God, I'm in fellowship with God, then you can't have the darkness part showing up in your life. And if it is, then, then you're lying about your fellowship. But that's really easy to do. Like, I don't know about you, but we lie to ourselves all the time. Many Christians, like, we're not aware of this particular situation within our own spiritual lives. Like, I, I would say many of us, we know we're saved. We've experienced the conversion. We've repented at some time in our life. But we think that that's the end of it. You say, well, well I've done those things, so I'm good, right? Sort of. You're good on the salvation front, but how's the fellowship part? I think you're missing out on the majority of Christianity. If you think that your relationship with God ended the moment that you said, Jesus Christ, I accept you as my Lord and Savior, and boom, now that's a done deal, that's the beginning point, not the end point. And so if, if that's where you're stuck at, you're missing the huge portion of the Christian life, which is fellowship. That's like if just because my son was born, okay, good, I'm done being a parent. I had a kid, boom. No, what about 0 through 18 and then 18 through 50 before I die? There's a whole life to live. But a lot of us, we've stopped at the birth part. 
And so the Bible says, be careful that you don't stop at the birth part and let your life just do whatever you want, because if you let your life do whatever you want and you say, I have fellowship with God, then you actually don't. You can't do whatever you want. You can't live in darkness and have fellowship with God. And I think many of us are missing this piece. And I think it sucks that we are, because having fellowship with God is really good. It's important. It, it changes us. It brings joy and gladness and, and things that are amazing into our lives. And so we don't want to neglect or look away from this part of it, the powerful blessing of being in fellowship with God. And so we just want to be honest with ourselves. We want to look at ourselves and say, look, am I walking in darkness? Because if I walk in darkness, then I'm not going to be in fellowship with God. And so if I want to be in fellowship with God, I've got to get rid of some of those darkness. I've got to get back with God. But, but how to do that? If only there was a way to do that. If only there was another verse in this section. Oh, hallelujah. But if we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all our sins. But if we walk in the light, as he's in the light, We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all of our sins. In life, like I need light to do a lot of things, to help me to see more clearly, to help me be safe. I need light to avoid stubbing my toe or to cast out fear when I get scared of the dark. Walking in God's light does all those things and more. When I walk in his light, I see clearly the sins in my life. When I walk in his light, I I see clearly God's movement. I see his love and I see his provision. I can see clearly my purpose. When I walk in his light, I'm kept safe from the schemes of the devil and the pitfalls of my own sin. I could avoid hurting myself because of my pride and my selfishness and the like. When I walk in his light, I don't fear the enemy and I don't fear the unknown. I don't fear tragedy or circumstances. I rest securely trusting God's provision. So this is really good news. It's good news that John says you can walk in the light. You don't have to stay in the darkness. You don't have to stay out of fellowship with God. You can actually have fellowship with God. You can walk with him. Walking in the light is possible. We can live right like we can to some measure live up to God's command. When God tells us, "Hey, I want you to be holy because I'm holy," as he says in 1 Peter, Is this a command that God gives people that they can't possibly keep? Do I have to sin? The Bible says, no, you can walk in the light. You can be away from the darkness. You can be holy as God is holy. Now, I want to be really careful because uh, that's not to say that I can be past perfect. We're not making that claim. We're not saying that I am perfect. But, But I can walk in the light, and I can live holy in moments. And then in stretches of moments, I need not remain in the darkness, but I can walk in the light. In, in the light. I, I love the middle part of this verse. He says, walk in the light as he's in the light. Because if you do, you'd expect him to say, like, walk in the light, he's the light, and you could have fellowship with God. That, that seems to logically follow there. But he, he, he says, that's the assumption that you're walking with God and your fellowship is with him. He says, as you walk in the light, though, you're going to actually have fellowship with, with, with people. This is really cool. He says, okay, you get on this light path, and then when you're on that light path, you're not going to be on it alone. You're going to look around, and there's going to be a couple of other people there. There's going to be some people at your churches there. There's going to be some random people that you don't even know there. 
God wants to create fellowship and community in life. Isn't that a really cool? So he's going to provide all the things for you. He's going to provide a right relationship with him where you're walking with him rightly. And then he says, not only you're not going to have to do it alone. I'm going to bring some other people who are walking in light next to you. And so you can have fellowship and community even on your planet. It connects us to one another in a really cool, like supernatural kind of special way if we allow it. As we're walking in the light, there's something about meeting other Christians on this Christian journey that's really powerful. It can be in other countries, and, and you meet a Christian, and they're like, oh, yeah, you're a Christian, I'm a Christian. And they're like, yeah, woo, and there's automatically this kind of connection. I was at the, the swimming, because we stay at swimming all the time, as you guys know. I was at swimming practice, and this uh, guy, Pablo, comes up, and uh, he looks like a white guy, but it turns out he's from Argentina. So, um, and he just walks up, and we were talking a little bit, and he's a, a Christian who loves the Lord, and he's at Calvary Chapel, and uh, there's this immediate connection with him. The guy who did our sign, you know, they put up that nice Jericho Road dot, uh, dot church sign, a Jericho Road church sign. Um, the guy who was putting it up, he was talking a little bit and starting to share about his life. And, and he was like, dude, I'm a Christian and I go to this church and blah, blah, blah. And we were sharing about our Christian lives. And at the end of it, he like gave me a hug and stuff. And I was like, whoa, that's so cool. I just hugged this stranger who was doing my sign. There's something really neat about walking with others. And there's a connection that comes even with strangers who are believers, it's a, it's a really powerful kind of thing. If we're not experiencing fellowship with believers, then, then something's amiss. So if you find yourself alone, if you find yourself not connecting to other people in the light, then there's either a problem with you or them. <laughs> we'll always blame them, right? But you may want to look at yourself first, <laughs> since you can only deal with your side of the fence, right? You can't go, well, God, you really need to change this church because I'm not connecting to any of them. This is a really messed up church. Possibly. Or possibly there may be something within you that God wants to deal with. So if you're not experiencing fellowship with believers, or maybe you've, you've had a falling out with some believers, it's because you're not walking in the light. Look, if you're walking in the light and they're walking in the light, then th- there's not going to be any of that other madness. It's just going to be all good. Two Christians walking rightly together. A breakdown in relationships, they're not from God, and they don't exist in his light. When we're in heaven, when we're walking rightly with God, our relationship with others is rightly, as long as they are too. The end of this portion of this verse says, John reminds us of the source of our fellowship. The source of the fellowship, which brings us back to that, that last verse, what was the point of how do I get out of the darkness? is that it comes through cleansing through Jesus Christ. It's the blood of Jesus and Jesus alone that sets us free from our sin, that frees us from the darkness. His work on the cross not only deals with the guilt of sin that would send us to hell, it also deals with the stain of sin, which hinders our continual relationship with both God and people. We need to come to God often with this simple plea, God, cleanse me again with the blood of Jesus. Not because I haven't been cleansed before, but because we need to be continually cleansed to enjoy continual relationship. The verb form that John uses in cleansing here uh, is in the present tense form, not a future tense. He's not saying, Lord, someday cleanse me so I'm perfect. It's not in the past. God, you have cleansed me. He's saying, right now, the cleansing of Jesus is available. Now, John's a believer, and he's writing to believers. And so he's saying, we need to continually ask for this in the present tense, not merely hoping to one day be cleansed, but we can ask for it now. Because of what Jesus did on the cross for us, we can be cleansed today from 
all of our sins. The sin we inherited from Adam, the sin we committed as kids, the sins of our growing up, the sins against our father, our mother, our brothers or sisters, sins against our husbands or wives, maybe sins against our own children, sins against our employees or employers, sins against our friends or enemies, lying, stealing, cheating, adultery, swearing drugs, drunkenness, promiscuity, murder, sins that haunt us every single day of our lives, sins that we didn't even know that we did. All sins can be cleansed because of the blood of Jesus. Amen? And that's a powerful thing. And that is the thing that draws us back into the light. You want to know how to get rid of the darkness? You just ask Jesus. Jesus, forgive my darkness. He says, okay. And then you're right back in the light, fellowshipping with God. And you don't have to wait till a certain amount of guilt builds up. You know, sometimes you you, you think like you're sinning, like, well, I can't even ask for forgiveness because I just sinned right now. Yes, you can. You don't don't wait till the, the, the waiting period of six days of guilt, and then finally you say, Jesus, forgive me. Man, you sin the very moment you sin. Be like, oh, I'm sorry. I messed up, God. I want to be in fellowship with you. I don't want to fall out of the light. Help me right now to walk back with you. Right then. Don't wait. Don't wait till you feel bad. Don't wait till like, well, if I approach him now, he's going to know. Well, he knows already, right? He doesn't like know more later. He doesn't have to find out like your parents, like they had to find out about the bad things you did. God's like, I'm here. I see what you're doing. But I'm not, it's not right to ask for forgiveness now. I just did this in. But yes, it is. It's a perfect time to. Now, we don't want to ever allow ourselves to get the mentality where, well, I could just sin because I could just ask for forgiveness. We would never want our children to do that to us, so we wouldn't do it to our God. What a freshness this verse offers that I can at any moment turn to God and say, Jesus, cleanse me again in the present tense, and then I'm walking immediately back in the light. A new start today for everybody through the blood of Jesus. And our last portion of verses is going to say this. If we say that we have no sin, that we deceive ourselves then, and the truth's not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and he's just, and he's going to forgive our sins. He's going to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sort of like a recap of what we've been talking about. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. His word is not in us. To say that we have no sin or never had any sin, it puts us in a really dangerous place because God's grace and mercy is extended to sinners. If you find yourself as a sinner, that's a good place to be. If you find yourself saying, I am totally righteous, I do not need God, I can live right, I'm a good person, I'm doing fine, then you want to be really careful because I think you're on very dangerous ground. It's not to say that I sin every moment. I can say, like, right now, I'm not sinning. There's nothing for me to do in sin. I'm not thinking about something else. I'm thinking about the message. Uh, I'm not stealing, lying, cheating. I'm not doing it. Like, right now, I'm literally not sinning. Don't pause too long, because then your mind gets, is that prideful? Dang it. You know, not so that was a... Okay, so maybe that was sin because it was prideful, it sounded like that, but it didn't mean to sound prideful. (laughs) You know, now I stumbled someone, so that is a sin, too. I didn't even know about it. But we can go moments of sin. It's not saying this. It's saying the attitude of the person that says, like, I've got this. I'm good enough. I'm fine. I'm a good person. I'm going to make it. Because a good person doesn't make it. It's a huge problem. If you don't recognize you're a sinner, then you don't need a savior. We need to realize the victory and forgiveness that comes from saying, look, I'm a sinner, even a great sinner. But I have a savior who's greater, and he cleanses me from all sins. 
Though sin is present, it need not remain a hindrance in our relationship with God because we can find complete cleansing if we confess our sins, complete restoration of our relationship with God if we will simply tell him, God, I'm sorry. God, I sinned. Jesus, forgive me. And then we can walk in the light unencumbered. To confess here, it's a really cool uh, kind of word. This word means to, the, to say the same as. So confession to God is really just meaning to say the same as. What, what that is to say, in other words, you must be willing to say the same thing about sin that God is saying about sin, to agree with God. So God's saying, you're a sinner. And then you say, you know what? I'm a sinner. Now we're agreeing. We say the same thing. That's what to confess means. Both I and God agree that I'm a sinner. Jesus illustrates this through the story about a religious man and a sinner. They both come into the temple, and the religious man comes up front, and he stands up, and he says, Oh, God, you know, I've been doing so great. I gave to the church. I've been praying five times a day. Ding! And the sinner sits in the back, and he, 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 he beats his chest, and he won't even raise his eyes up to God, and he says, Forgive me, I'm a sinner. And Jesus says in this, in this illustration, he says, that person in the back is forgiven, not the person who thought he was so righteous. That person in the back was brought into the light because he recognized, I need you, Jesus. And he recognized that he was a sinner so he could turn to the Savior. Confess also happens to be a present tense verb indicating that we should keep on confessing our sins. Not a once-and-all confession. Well, I did confession one time. (laughs) But over and over, being willing to say, God, what's wrong? How can I confess it out? Reveal to me if there's anything else I need to confess. I want to walk in the light as you are in the light. Look, all of this to say, today, all of these verses to say that something amazing is possible for every one of us right now. Fellowship with God in the light is possible. Fellowship with other people in the light is possible right now. Today, we can step into the light and we can step lightly. Like the heaviness of the sin can be taken away. The weight of failure can be removed. The pale specter of darkness can be vanquished. Restoration to the perfect one. And what an amazing day a truly overwhelming, powerful moment is available right now. Fear removed, dreams restored, hope stirred, light washing over us. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be really good? Does anyone else need to walk out of church today and say, like, I just am so refreshed, and I'm walking in the light? Anyone else have a week where, where you kind of went through it and, and you need to walk out of here today and you need to meet with Jesus right now and you need to say, Jesus, here's the things I got to confess because I messed a couple up real bad and I need your forgiveness and you need that light to just wash over you and just Jesus say, like, ah, you're with me. Let's go back on this path of life and we walk out of those doors like, whew, it's so good. I am refreshed because my Savior has accepted me and brought me into his arms, into his light. God is calling you to fellowship in the light right now, if you're willing. Let's pray together. And then we're going to respond in worship. Father, your word is refreshing. And your promises, they're exciting. We thank you for allowing us to draw near to you through the blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior.
Thank you, God, that you are light, that you are perfect, that you are flawless, that you are, you are outside of the messed upness of this world. Thank you, God, that you are true and righteous and pure. And thank you, God, for your invitation for me to go there. Like I, I sit in the back. I am the sinner in the back saying, I don't deserve it. I, I don't even think I should be here. I, I don't belong. And yet you reach out and say, yes, you do, son. My prayer for each of you is that you would hear God's voice clearly telling you that you belong, that he wants to fellowship with you right now. He wants to be near to you. He wants to walk with you. And then he wants you to walk with these amazing people to your left and right in the line. Thank you, God, for loving us. We can love because you first loved us. Would you join with me in confessing whatever you need to confess? Get yourself back in the light. Then allow God's goodness to overwhelm you.